Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Samantha Asher is a speech-language pathologist who has built a six-figure private practice in less than two years, only working three days per week. She built a private practice and a life that would support her family financially and allow her the flexibility to take her daughter to toddler ballet on Fridays and her son to my gym on Mondays. I first got to know Samantha in the Start Your Private Practice program and then in the Six Figure program, which is now called Grow Your Private Practice. In today's episode, she shares why she decided to start her private practice, how she balances her work and family time how she handled moving to a new state and kept clients in the old state, and how she's handled the financial aspects of her private practice. If you've always dreamed of making a six-figure salary as a private practitioner and having the work-life balance that you need for your family, this episode is for you. Enjoy! I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So a few weeks ago, I posted something in the Start Your Private Practice student group, and I loved seeing the responses. So here was the question. It was a fill-in-the-blank style thing, which said, because of the Start Your Private Practice program, I have been able to blank. And students posted things like, pay off my largest student loan, and I'm almost done with the rest of them. Another person said, gain the confidence to go part-time and then go full-time with my private practice. And then today's guest, Samantha, chimed in with, work three days a week and make six figures, do ballet class with my toddler on Fridays, work close to home, and create a positive work culture. Well, needless to say, that comment got a ton of likes and follow-up questions, as well as students begging Samantha to tell her story on the podcast. So here we are. I am so excited to share this interview because I want you to know that it is completely possible to earn a full-time income without working full-time hours. Samantha is not the only person who has come through my programs who's been able to do this. For some, having a private practice is more of a lifestyle business. They create a schedule that they'd like to stick to, 
an income goal that they'd like to achieve, and work enough to meet those goals. And if you're wondering if Samantha is private pay only, she's not. She also accepts insurance. So if you're the kind of person who wants to know exactly how Samantha and other students in my programs are achieving this, listen to the entire episode and then come join us so that we can help you achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals too. All right, let's meet Samantha. I am so excited to be here with Samantha Asher. Sam, I've gotten to know you for like basically your whole private practice career, and I'm so excited to be able to have you share your story with our listeners because I think that there's some really amazing parts of it, particularly how you've been able to find balance in your private practice and as a parent. Can't wait to share that part of your story. But before we get there, can you actually just introduce yourself and share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? So I am Samantha Asher. I am in Highland Park, Illinois. And the name of my private practice is Greenlight Speech and Language Services. Awesome. And we'll also talk a little bit about the name of your practice, because I think that's a good story to share too. But before we kind of talk about where you are now in your private practice journey, can you take us back to the beginning when you were you know, a, a new clinician and tell us what that was like, and then start to talk about like, at what point did you start thinking about private practice? So I actually started my career in a skilled nursing facility. And I say actually, because now I primarily treat children. And the idea for private practice came to me when I received a promotion that I was so excited about, but was told it was in title only, meaning you get more work, but you do not get paid more. And the wheels really started turning there. I got a little more experience in the field, started working with children, which is why I originally went into the field. And once I had my daughter, I really wanted to make sure I had freedom. And I also wanted to be able to make the money I needed to give her everything that she wanted and do everything I wanted to do with her. So I started pursuing private practice and I just signed up for independent clinician, kind of didn't have really anything else prepared but I got started and I kept moving forward. I love that so much. And before we started recording, we actually looked and saw, you know, when did Sam join the Start Your Private Practice program? And we figured out it was in July, 2020. So really at the very beginning in the craziest part of the pandemic. And so tell everyone, why did you decide to join then? Like what was on your mind at the time? And why did you decide to start your private practice at that time in our history? I think a big, big part of it was safety and security. So I I wasn't sure what was happening with my job. At the time, I was working for early intervention in the state, and I enjoyed the role, but it was in homes, um, and it was in homes all over the city of Philadelphia, where I was living at the time. They didn't know if they were going to keep all the speech therapists or fire them, and I wasn't sure what my obligation was going to be in terms of going into a home without proper protection. And I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel financially secure. And more importantly, I really wanted to feel physically safe and to feel like my family was physically safe as well. And having a private practice was going to really give me that opportunity to set my own boundaries, set my own limits, and still have the income that I needed as a parent. 
I love that. And it's interesting when people sometimes think about safety when it comes to private practice, some people get a little bit nervous about like financial safety, right? But I love how you're talking about it from also like a physical safety point of view, but also a financial safety point of view, right? The whole, you know, you're not going to get laid off from your own private practice and people get laid off in our field, right? Not just during the pandemic, but even before that. So having that Mm -hmm. extra financial security, it's actually a lot more than people think. Yeah. I also think hours, even when I was working in skilled nursing, it was sometimes there weren't enough admissions to give you the hours that you were really relying on. And same thing with when I was working in early intervention, there were cancellations that you really couldn't plan for, or everyone decided to go on summer vacation, or there was a new vacation week added. And, you know, that to me especially in retrospect, feels a lot more insecure than me making my own schedule and me getting my own clients. When you're a clinician and a speech therapist, regardless of kind of what little pocket of speech therapy you fit in, you're really providing a service that people need. So once people kind of find out about that, you know, you're selling something they need, something they want, I think it's a lot more stable and a lot more sought after. And there's a lot more of a customer base than I realized, really. I mean, like tremendous need, right? Yes. Especially now, right? Everyone has Mm -hmm. been either, you know, stuck on wait lists or going without services or like kind of doing the wait and see approach for like two years now. And so Mm -hmm. there really is tremendous need. There was need then. And there is, I mean, an even greater need at, at this stage. When you joined, right, in July of 2020, tell everyone kind of what that was like, right? So you joined the program, you started kind of going through it. What was it like, you know, getting that first client and really starting your private practice? It was a mix of nerve wracking and really cool and exciting. I remember getting my first client and you sort of can't believe it's happening, get a little bit of an imposter syndrome. And then you learn to really power through that. And we, in the group for start, we talk about that a lot, the imposter syndrome sort of thing. And that's been one of the blessings of private practice is learning to move through that in different ways. For me, it's come with realizing what I'm actually there to help the client with and honing in on that and realizing that I'm there to solve their speech language or feeding issue and not the other things. And I can do that. And I definitely can do that. And then also realizing that real imposters are not worried about being imposters. So it was all that to say, it was very exciting and a little bit scary. Yeah. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when people join, they send me a DM and they're like, Jenna, I signed up. And then the next thing that they say is like, I'm really nervous, but I'm really excited. Right. So that's a completely normal feeling to be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I am pumped and I'm also terrified. Right. But like, what got you to move through some of that fear that you were doing this and got you to that point that you were excited and that you started to gain a little bit of traction early on in your journey? Just committing to moving forward. I decided early on, I mean, every little thing that goes into it, I realized early on that I could sit there and I could mull over it and go over it again and again. I could go over mistakes I could potentially make. I know we've mentioned by name, Greenlight Speech and Language Services is a good example. I just went with that name. I thought Greenlight means go. I want to go. I named it Speech and Language Services, even though a large part of my services are feeding based. But if I sat around and thought about each little thing, including that, I would still be thinking about it. 
So I just committed to moving forward every day, even if it was a misstep. And you're always going to make those. And one thing actually private practice has really helped me with is not being so hard on myself about those missteps, because you really just, I think I, as a person, I used to really kind of get bogged down even in my personal life about missteps or mistakes. And I don't even learn from all of them, but at least I'm moving forward. If I sat there, I'd still be sitting there. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Because I think that's really important no matter what you're doing, right? Like in this case, we just happen to be talking about private practice, but you could think about like, I don't know, weight loss or learning a new language or, you know, we all went to grad school, right? There was times in grad school that we learned something like I really struggled with IPA, for example, I like could not get IPA. But what if I had dropped out of grad school because I couldn't really figure out IPA? That's like such a little part of the whole thing. But like, I totally could have given up because that was hard for me. Right. So it's like, you do have to move forward. You do have to think like, you know, what are the other things? What are the other components? And like, if I want this thing, right, if I really want to have a private practice, I just need to keep going. I mean, I even remember in the early days, for some reason, I deleted my NPI number, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, it's a national provider number. It's basically your social security number for being a provider. Why did I delete it? I don't even remember what my reasoning was. But you know what? I got it back. But if I sat there and thought, oh, I deleted this number. I'm so stupid. I'm so this. Then I would still be not doing this. And I just, you know, I just spent the time. I I got it. And I haven't done it since. So never re-deleted my NPI number. So yeah, well, that's awesome, right? So you learned a couple lessons there. One lesson is don't delete your MVI number. The other right. lesson is that like most of the things are fixable, right? Like if you do yeah. something wrong, like if you submit a claim and it gets rejected, like it doesn't mean that you're going to jail, right? There's like right. literally, I think some people who get so nervous of what if I submit a claim and it gets rejected, am I going to go to jail? And it's like, no, you're not going to go to jail. You're going to fix the numbers, you're going to change a code, or you're going to do something to make it right. And then you're just going to resubmit it. Right. And so I think people are really nervous about that kind of stuff. I mean, even this week, I've been talking to an insurance company because there was a change in billing. And I just start off with all my calls. I've made a mistake yet again. The person on the other end of the line, they don't say, that's terrible. They said, you're one of many. We're getting a lot of calls like this. You know, we're all really in this together. I think one of the special things about START and about having the other groups is that you can really meet other people who are on your journey. So it doesn't feel as isolating. And sometimes you can realize that they're you're not alone in them. And maybe they're not as big or not as problematic as they can kind of, you can build them up when you're doing it just by yourself. Everyone's facing the same thing and we're we're all in it together. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. You joined the program in July of 2020. You got your first client. And then what did that early growth look like, right? Like you've got that first one. What was the next couple months like as you started to get more and more? So the next couple months, yeah, word sort of started spreading. So I actually started my private practice part-time which is something that also in the group we talk a lot about. I was still working for the state and technically I was working full-time, but the hours were so low that it was a part-time job and I was able to do this part-time. So I was picking up more and more people and it was really exciting. I think a couple things contributed to that, doing good work. You do good work, people really can't help themselves to tell. And also you can let people know, please let your friends know. I'm trying to build a practice. I really want people to receive high quality healthcare. And then you can tell people I provide great work. 
I do this really, really well. So I was moving forward with that. And before I knew it, I really had to make the plunge to go full time. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know that there's always people who are going to be wrestling with that decision, right? Do I stay in my regular job and just always kind of have some private clients on the side? Or do I move into full-time private practice? So what did that decision look like for you? So I was part of the second program in the private practice journey. And I think now we call it grow. So I had that support system there and I made the choice because I thought we talk in those programs a lot about like benchmarks, right? So we talk about what do you want this week? What do you want next month? And we at the time we're meeting every quarter and people were talking about what they're achieving. And I was thinking, what do I want in the next quarter? What do I want in the next year? I want to own my private practice and I want that to be my only job. And the only way I could really get there was to take the plunge. And then once I did, that's when things really started rolling because you have the time and people start to hear about you having the time and they come in uh, and very quickly, I realized that it was more secure than that other job that I was holding on to. I also think it's worth mentioning that those jobs aren't going away for speech therapists, right? So if say I started and I thought, oh, I don't know, I really miss working for the state instead, I could have gone back and worked for them. I could still go back and work for them. We're needed. It was exciting and it felt super risky. But now that we're looking back on it, it probably wasn't as risky as I thought it was. Well, totally. Like you can always go back to the schools. You can always go back to EI or to hospitals or whatever. They will mm-hmm. gladly take you back. Gladly. Right? Mm-hmm. Gladly. But usually when you get to the point where you have a growing practice, like you're past that. Like you don't want to go back to having someone else tell you what to do or what hours you need to work or putting a cap on your pay. Right. And so I really like how you talked about kind of that decision and then, you know, just deciding to take that plunge because you knew that you would have more time to devote to your practice because that's kind of the problem. I firmly believe that getting started on the side is the best way to start a practice, right? I think it gives people a lot of, you know, financial security and stability Mm -hmm. and test the waters to make sure that this is something that you want to do. But at some point, being in private practice part-time is not the way to grow your practice. Catch us up to, and I know you moved too. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about having your private practice in one city and then moving to another city? Yes. So I had my private practice in Philadelphia. And then we, due to my husband's job changes due to COVID, we moved to Illinois. And I've never lived here and didn't know anyone. And this was actually, and I was pretty nervous about it because I had built this practice. I was pretty surprised that a lot of my clients chose to continue virtually. And that was really helpful while I was setting up this practice. And I think it was important to give them the option, right? And that's something that the group really helped me with was that I actually had planned to totally eliminate and get rid of everyone. And then in the group, we were talking about it and People said, and some of the mentors said, well, why don't you give them the option to stay with you? And then I did. And I, over half of them, I think 75% of people chose to stay with me. But that said, once I got here, I started networking, which was a nice recommendation too, from other speech therapists with their private practices. And 
that helped me really grow here. And then very similar to what happened in Philadelphia, but people want good, high quality healthcare professionals, right? It's needed. It's not that there's none of us, but it's that it's that needed, that there could be a, there's a bunch of private practices in my area and we're all full. So once word spread, things started to really pick up. And again, I was sort of right where I left off making a little more money than I was before. I love that. And that also just speaks to the fact that like you can move a practice, right? Like you can go somewhere else. Like it really used to be a very local thing. Like you had to have a brick and mortar. You were in one city or one town and you just served people in that immediate area. But like telepractice really made it that you could then serve people in the entire state and then Mm -hmm. like move and go to an entirely new city, a new state even, and still see your clients from the previous place and then start seeing people in the new one. Like that's a lot of freedom, right? That is so much different than if you owned like a pizza shop or like an antique store or like a retail establishment, right? That it would be a lot harder to do that. So I love that people are able to do that and that you were able to do that. And people are very open to it. I think one of the positives from the pandemic is we all learned that we can do things virtually. And so people are not only willing to do it, they're almost eager to do it. I think another thing that makes that transfer of a private practice possible now, which maybe wasn't the case in the past, is the internet. We have online reviews. So instead of, in this case, it did help to have the in-person review, you know, a neighbor telling a neighbor. But people also found me and looked at the reviews that I had had from Philadelphia. And it was very similar response to as if their neighbor had told them because they got to see, okay, she has this many reviews of people saying that their kids eat foods comfortably now or are able to do things that they weren't able to do before in the speech and language department. I'm really comfortable calling her. Whereas, you know, if we didn't have the internet, that wouldn't be possible, but we do. So that makes the move kind of an easier thing to do as well. And 100%. I'm also really glad that you mentioned Google reviews because it really does make a difference. Like people really look to that, right? I'm one of those Mm -hmm. people, I don't spend like a ton of time on it, but if I'm going to buy something online, like I'm definitely looking to see, I don't want to buy something that's crappy, right? Like I want to, I want to, that's good, right? Or like restaurants, like you want to go to a good restaurant, right? Well, Y'all, the same thing is true for therapists, right? When families are trying Mm -hmm. to make a decision and we're not the same thing as like Mexican restaurants, right? Where like people kind of understand what you're going to get at like a Mexican restaurant. People Mm -hmm. who have never had their child or their loved one in speech therapy have no idea how to compare one person to another. And so one of the ways that they do know is to look at Google reviews, right? So I think that that's really smart that that was something that you kind of developed and made sure that you had that. And that will also serve you well, not just like kind of in your move, but like obviously in the future too. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for those reviews. People are happy to write them. And I also offer for me, I offer that they could do that or write something that they prefer to keep anonymous. And I just let them know it really helps other families find me. And it makes other people more comfortable getting their children the help that they need. So I, I know that sticking point for people are an awkward thing that people feel strange about, but I have found that our clients are really excited to help us back because they feel like they received so much from our services. 
totally. It's really not an imposition, right? Like none of us, we feel like, mm-hmm. oh, they're so busy or, you know, whatever. But like, you're totally right. Like they want to help us out, right? They want to, you've done so much for their child. The least they can right. do is to spend five minutes to write you know, a little review, right? So then you move to a new city. Now, mm-hmm. if you could tell people kind of what does your private practice look like today? Who do you have working for you? What's your schedule? What kind of clients do you see? All that kind of stuff. So my schedule is Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I have chosen that schedule because I do little gym on Mondays with my kids. And then I do toddler ballet with my oldest child, my daughter on Fridays. So that's been really nice to just have that balance. I work long hours, the days that I work, those Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And that's my choice. And that's just because I really wanted a six-figure practice. And that's what I get from working those hours. I didn't have anyone working for me before, but today I've hired a biller. And now I'm in the process of hiring an assistant. And I found someone who I think is going to be just such a great And I'm hoping that with those hires, I can continue to grow and see where things take me. Just to recap what you just said, in case anybody missed that, you're working three days a week, you have a six-figure private practice, and you're able Mm -hmm. to take your kids to my gym and toddler ballet two days a week, y'all. Yep. I feel like that is the dream for most people. And you've built that for yourself and for your family. When I started the private practice journey, I didn't know exactly that I wanted this schedule, but when I realized I was able to build it, especially now I have two children, I had one when I started it, having that time, having that space with them, you know, I don't feel like I'm missing out on their childhood, which is a concern every parent has. I feel like I'm totally present for their childhood and I get to really get all the benefits of it. You only get so many years to do toddler ballet. You only get so many years to do little gym before they go and do gymnastics on their own and you have to sit on the side and I'll never have to miss that. And I also won't have to say I had to sacrifice my career so I could have those moments. I really get to have both and it's something I'm really proud of. And it's something you should be proud of, right? And I think that that's one of the things that SLPs and OTs really need to think about, like that this is something that you can create. Like you don't have to settle for a job that you just don't love, right? If you love this profession, but you don't love your current setting, create a new one, create a setting that works for you, create a job that works for you so that you can set your own hours Mm -hmm. and that you can earn however much you're willing to work, right? Like there's no ceiling on your income. You can hire people to work for you. You can hire billers to help make sure that you're collecting and keeping the money that you're earning, right? That's a really great hire for you, especially at the stage where you're doing all these sessions and you want to make sure that you're not losing out on some of that income, right? That's a great reason to hire a bill. I'm doing it now because I am so busy with all the clients. I really want to keep those days. You know, if I wanted to have an admin day, then maybe I wouldn't make those hires, but I've chosen to keep those days. And because the practice is so lucrative, I can absolutely afford them. So I just took the plunge. It did take me a while to accept that just because I can do something doesn't mean I need to do it. I feel like every week is a new lesson. And that was my lesson I'd say for this past month is just because I can do billing doesn't mean I need to be aggravated by it. Someone else will enjoy it. Have their zone of genius, as you say. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. Like billing has to be done, right? In order for your your Mm -hmm. generate revenue, someone has to do the billing, but it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be 
right? And just like what you said, like someone else loves that, right? There are people out there. Right. I don't really get it. It's not me, but there are people who like really love to do things like according to a certain way and they like rules and they like puzzles and they like figuring things out. And like, they're not irritated to do the same thing over and over again because they like habits or they like, you know what I mean? So like there are absolutely love doing jobs like billing and how great for you just from like an economic perspective that you're able to hire someone and like contribute to the money coming into their family and they're working for you is saving time for you that you can not do a admin day on Monday and cut into my gym time. Right? Absolutely. I love that. So what would you say are your plans for like the coming year? And you know, what do you want your private practice to look like going forward? So Friday, I am actually going to look at a location. Right now, I'm traveling around to homes, which I think is a great way to start. I've enjoyed starting that way. But due to the demand and in an effort to meet that, I want to get a brick and mortar so that I can see more people and cut down on that. And cutting down on that drive time is one way to make that happen. I'm also hoping to hire either at least one other SLP or an SLPA. And I want them to feel supported. I want to also still feel like I have a presence there. Driving around, at least for me, and having people under me driving around given how far I do drive, felt a little bit difficult. I did interview people at a couple months ago. And when I was interviewing them, I realized I really need that brick and mortar. So again, like kind of move it in another direction. So that's what I'm hoping to do. Get a brick and mortar and hire at least one other SLP or SLPA under me so we could really meet the demand that is out there and help the kids who need help. I think that this has been so great in terms of you giving just some like really concrete things that you've done as part of your private practice journey and also just sharing, you know, what have been your motivators, right? Wanting to spend more time with your kids, wanting to have that balance, also wanting to have the income that you want to be able to, you know, pay for nice things for your kids and do fun things with your family, right? I think that's one of the things that sometimes people Mm -hmm. I away from talking about, but we're all thinking about it, right? We would all like to be able to do fun things with our families. And we don't want to feel limited in terms of, you know, can we do that or not based on schedule or income or anything else. So I am so proud of what you've really accomplished in a very short period of time, Samantha. It's really pretty incredible. Thank you. This has been so nice to really reflect on it. And I'm just so glad I took that first step. I'm so, this is really kind of one of the first times I'm sitting down and and really remembering myself in that moment when I signed up for it. And I'm so glad that I kept moving forward. This is such a positive thing for me. And I, I really can't imagine, my husband said to me the other day, what would we do if you had to work five days a week? And I said, I don't know, like our life would be a lot different, probably a lot more stressful. Like, how would we get everyone to where they need to be? So I'm glad that I had this experience. And thank you so much for this program. I don't know exactly where I'd be without it, but I'm certainly glad that it's helped me along and guided me really along step by step. Thank you. Well, you're so welcome. And I think, you know, I was telling Samantha before we started recording that I was really reflecting on, you know, who are some of the people who have been through my programs who really have had the most success and and or just have been the most driven, like have just nose to the grindstone, like bought the course, 
done the work and gotten the results. And I was also talking with the mentors about this and we generated a list of names and, and Samantha's name was on there. And then the other thing that I asked them to think about is like, well, what's the commonality between all of these people, right? We thought about about 20 people who have just had really good results in our program. We've had lots of people with really good results, but these 20 in particular were just sort of like the names that came to mind. And we came up with the word committed. And we said that these people really were committed to private practice, committed to themselves, committed to making this work, even if there was a mistake or an obstacle or a deleted NPI number or something like that, right? And then we also started talking about the word recommitted, right? That you can commit to something, but then you have to constantly recommit to it, right? Like, for example, you know, you started in one place and when you moved, like you could have been like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to build my practice again. Maybe I'll just go get a job in the schools or whatever. And you're like, no, I'm like committed to private practice and I'm going to recommit to building this practice like in a new city. Like that takes not just commitment, but recommitment along the way. So I think that you're a really good example of someone who has done that again and again. And look where you are now. Yeah. It's been really exciting. I think once I got those first few clients, I think once I got really my business license, I was never going to turn back. I really have grown into the role of CEO. I still see clients, but when I filled out my paperwork today and was signing some contracts, I, they asked me my title. I said, CEO. And it is nice because I do have that control over my life now, over my world and recommitting gets you there every time. Well, I'm just so, so excited for you and the future and what it holds. I'm so excited for your kids also to not only have the time right now to be spending with you, but like you're modeling such good behavior for them, right? Like you're modeling work-life balance. You're modeling having your own business and taking control of that schedule, taking control of your income, right? They're noticing what you're yeah. doing. One of my favorite memories from the past couple of years is my daughter, right when she started to walk, she walked over and she was in my office and she grabbed my business cards and she started passing them out to people in the room. And I thought, oh, she's playing CEO. She's playing a boss. And I just loved seeing that. And I thought this is really worth it. So great for her to see this and to want to emulate it and hopefully continue to want to do so. I love it. Well, I just continue to be so proud of you and what you've been able to do again in a really relatively short period of time. And thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing your story. And just, you know, thank you for also being candid about what your day looks like and why you're doing all of this. And I just wish you like all of the happiness and success in the world because you have earned it and you deserve it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on and I hope you have a great night. Thank you. You as well. Okay, don't you just love Samantha? I love how straightforward she is and how honest she is about her goals and also what she did to achieve them. She is truly an air quotes regular SLP who has become a successful private practitioner. And she structured her business in a way that she still has time for her family while earning a really solid salary. It is truly possible to make a full-time income without working full-time hours. And Samantha is proof of that. If you were inspired by her story, the two programs that supported her on her private practice journey were the Start Your Private Practice Program and the Grow Your Private Practice Program. 
We open enrollment for both programs periodically and would love to have you join us so that you can be our next case study. To learn more about my free and paid programs and how we support SLPs and OTs on their private practice journey, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week with more tips and interviews to help you start, grow, and scale your own successful private practice. Till then. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.